Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I am so excited to be able to welcome all of our guests here. And I'm excited about something new that we're doing for College Days this year uh, in regards to some of the interactive workshops that we're going to be having this afternoon for our delegates. As I was listening to the choir sing and listening to that ensemble, I'm excited to be able to have some of you as delegates join some of them in, in practices this afternoon, uh, join them in choir practices practice this afternoon. I'm excited for those who are interested in preaching to get a taste of what it's like to prepare a sermon and to preach it to an audience. I'm excited for those who are interested in our visual arts program to sit down uh, in our media department and to be able to sit down in that studio and play around with the computer there however you would like. Well, not however you would like, but uh, you know, just uh, learning whatever you guys learn in graphics as well. And uh, in education, uh, be able to hear from some of our students. Uh, in regards to uh, learning how to teach maybe in elementary or secondary. And uh, I'm excited for you guys to be able to get involved in this College Days event uh, today and then excited about the basketball game and all the food and all the fun uh, this afternoon as well. So thank you so much for coming and being a part. I hope that you are enjoying your classes and I hope that you've been enjoying this event uh, so far. Well, we're in Hebrews chapter 11. Before we read this verse, I wanted to ask, is there any Anyone who came from the north for this event, because I don't know about you, but uh, I'm not haven't really been enjoying the weather the last day or so, and uh, I, I don't know who's responsible for it. I don't know whether I should give you a hug because it's been really hot here lately, or whether I should just punch you in the face. Okay, uh, so if you are if you are from the north, then. Thank you and no thank you uh, for all the weather that we've had uh, the last few days around here. Uh, but hopefully you're enjoying this beautiful Southern California weather uh, during these, uh, these last uh, few days. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1 and verse number 2 will be our launching point into this very famous passage. Verse number 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Skip down to the end of the chapter in verse 39. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made Perfect. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have these next few days to get a taste of West Coast Baptist College. And Lord, I pray that you would bring many high schoolers here in the next few years to be able to come and to learn how to serve you, to learn your word, to grow in their knowledge of you and your word. Lord, I pray that you would please bless them as they are here. And I pray that they would have a great time during this event. But most importantly, I pray that you would work in their hearts in a very special way. Lord, I thank you for uh, many years ago now, in 2008, when I signed an application for West Coast Baptist College here at College Days. And Lord, I thank you for all that you've done in my life through this great institution. And Lord, I pray that you would please do the same in many hearts this morning and throughout this weekend as well. Lord, please speak to our hearts in a great way. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone wants a good report card, uh, but few put forth the effort. 
Now, whether you're in high school or in college, there are really three categories of students. There's the student who really doesn't even have to study, and they just get an automatic A. All right, raise your hand if that's you. Okay, just admit it. We all hate you right now, okay? But if you don't, you don't really have to study, you just have to listen in the class, and you just kind of have to look over your notes for one time, and then automatically getting an A every time. That's the first category. The second category of student is the one who labors all night and studies and studies and crams and crams and applies themselves so much and gets a C on the test or gets a C on the report card. Now, guys, be honest. Let me see your hands for that's me. All right. That, yeah, I, I have to work and work and work just to get a C. Now, there's also the third category. Don't be this person. I'm not going to have you raise your hand for this one. OK, but the person who really doesn't care and just gets an F. All right. Uh, I heard a I heard a comedian uh, when I was younger who described a spelling bee in elementary school. And there's always that one kid who just purposely gets out right at the beginning, all right? Uh, he gets up there and he says, I don't have time for this. Uh, cat, K-A-T, I'm done. I'm out of here, okay? And uh, as he's walking by his friends, he whispers, yeah, I, I know that, you know, there's two T's, okay? Uh, that's, don't raise your hand if you're that person. But I think everyone here desires to have a good report, not just academically, but I hope your desire is this morning that you would have a good report card when you stand before God someday. How can you get an automatic A on your report card before God? You see, you don't really have to study for that good report. You really don't have to work too hard at it. There's, there's, there's a cheat sheet, if you will, for your good report before God. And it's one word. The word is faith. Very quickly this morning, let's look at three definitions of faith from the great hall of faith that's described here in Hebrews chapter 11. The first definition I see is found in verse number 1. The Bible says, now faith is the substance. Faith is the substance. Now, the Greek word here used for substance is a very interesting word that was used often in the first century culture. And it really meant assurance. You see, faith is the assurance for the present. Faith is our assurance for right here and now. In ancient documents, this word would be used to describe some type of a legal contract or a legal uh, promise that uh, someone was buying something, someone was purchasing something, and they would sign this contract, and that would be the substance, that would be the assurance that they were good for what they said they were. It was a guarantee of transaction. Some other times in uh, ancient documents, this Greek word is used to describe a foundation, uh, literally the ground from which one builds hope. You see, faith, first of all, this morning is an assurance for the present. God gives us an assurance for every day in which we live our lives. Psalm 27, verse number 13 says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, all throughout this passage, we meet a group of 
heroes of the faith that Paul describes here. If you believe that Paul wrote Hebrews as he is t- telling us the history of this, uh, of the nation of Israel. And as he describes these great heroes of the faith, uh, he is going to describe some heroes who trusted God for the present. We read about Abel in verse number four. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. We see that Abel's sacrifice was assured in the present. He knew that God would accept his sacrifice through faith. We read about Moses in verses 24 through 27. If you would turn there, maybe turn a page there, uh, in verse number 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You see, Abel trusted God in the here and now for his sacrifice. Moses trusted God for the here and now for his surrender to God's will for his life. And then we read about Rahab in verse 30. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. When she had received the spies with peace, we see Rahab's service is an assurance as well. So many times, however, when we read through the Bible, we we refer to faith as if it was a blind faith. We refer to faith as if if it was the opposite of knowledge or understanding. And sometimes we even use it as an excuse for ill planning or ignorance. I'm just going to take this test by faith. Uh, I'm just going to ask this girl out by faith. All right. Sometimes we use that phrase and we use it out of context. And sometimes when we use that phrase out of context, we get the idea that a biblical faith is just blind and ill-prepared. But that is the exact opposite of biblical faith. Turning your Bibles over to a very short verse in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. A lot of times we use this verse out of context. It is a popular verse to use. But we need to understand this morning that faith is not just a wondering that something is going to happen, something that uh, might just happen because I'm not prepared for it. No, faith is an assurance for the present. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, what is the Bible saying here? The Bible is not saying that we live the Christian life blindly. I have a... Uh, a blindfold up here this morning. The Bible is not saying that we put on a blindfold of faith and that we do not have any knowledge or understanding or logic in the Christian life, that we're just kind of stepping out and just doing whatever feels good at the moment. That is not a biblical faith. When the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight, the Bible is not saying that we are blind. It's the difference between a blindfold and a pair of binoculars. You see, we do not walk by sight in the here and now. We walk by faith of what's coming in the future. You see, do you have the binoculars of faith this morning? 
Are you looking at the here and now and getting distracted? Or are you making sure that you are looking towards the future and towards eternity? That is walking by faith and not by sight. A lot of times we use this phrase to talk about a blind faith. But why would we even go to a Bible college in the first place if the Christian life was just about being blindfolded to everything around us? No, we need to knowledge in the word of God. We need to understand the word of God because the word of God is what directs us with these binoculars. This is a faith that sees more than sight itself. This is a supernatural sight that sees beyond earthly things to eternal things. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. We need to be able to trust God for the eternal in the present. We often say, I'm just going to step out by faith and see what happens. But a biblical faith is not blind. Biblical faith is an assurance in the right foundation. Now, I remember the first time that I led a summer ministry team for West Coast Baptist College. I was a senior in college. Some of you seniors are like, oh, that's a really good option for me. Uh, I don't think this will ever happen again, okay? I don't know if Dr. R or Dr. Getch remember this, this, this horrible trip uh, that we had. Someone decided, I don't know who, I'm not bitter against that person, but someone decided that I was going to lead a group uh, as a senior in college, and they were going to send me to Michigan in the month of of March, okay? Now, I'm from Florida. I'm not used to the winter of Michigan in March, and yet I said I would step out by faith and, uh, and see what happened. I remember that trip was absolutely horrible. We lost our baggage on the trip there. Uh, we, uh, I almost got arrested for assaulting a woman in a parking lot. You can ask me the details of that story later. We were staying in a place one night, and uh, the girls were staying in a house that was on top of a hill, and the guys were, and, and us were staying at the bottom of the hill, and, and they called me and said, uh, I, I, I hear someone in the house. There's someone walking around in the house. And I said, well, it's just the old lady that you're staying with. I went outside, looked up to the top of the house. I saw a light on. I saw a, a person in the window kind of going through a desk. I said, look, I'm on the phone with them. Look, it's fine. Uh, I see the lady right there. Well, little did I know that they were actually with the lady at that time. And uh, we realized very quickly that there was a problem in that house. So we ran up and we started to kind of dig through this house and see if there was an intruder in there. There was no sign of an intruder. There was no sign of anything. What a crazy night. Uh, it got crazier when the old lady told us the next day, uh, it's okay what happened. There's always strange things that happen in that house. So we stayed there. I almost got arrested. Uh, I mean, it was just a great trip. Uh, I got a three-page letter written about how horrible a leader I was. Uh, I mean, it was just a wonderful trip. And, uh, but the highlight of the trip was this. Walking on a frozen lake. Now, I'm from Florida, and this was very, very unnerving for me, okay? Especially when you're walking on a lake and you kind of see the waves of the water through the ice kind of crashing up against the ice. Uh, I mean, this was very, very unnerving. You see, when, when you're walking on ice, it really doesn't matter how great your faith is. It matters how thick the ice is. You could have the most faith 
to step out on a very thin piece of ice on a lake. And guess what? It doesn't matter how much faith you have in that ice. You're going to come crashing through. But if you're stepping out on a lake and you're like me and you're just a little bit nervous about it. And you just have just enough faith to step out on that ice. And that ice is thick enough for, to be able to hold your weight. It doesn't really matter how much faith you have. It matters how thick the ice is. Guys, spiritually, faith is always placed in something in the present. Faith is an assurance in the present. Let me encourage you, teenager, Bible college student, make sure that you have your faith in the right foundation. You see, a lot of times we have our faith in our faith. We think that, well, you know, I have faith, so God's entitled to be able to do what I ask him to do. Well, no, that's not really how it works. Your faith should not be in your own faith. Your faith should be in your Savior. Let me give you a statement here that will go up on the screen. My faith does not determine success. The object of my faith determines the success. So many times we think that if I just have faith, then everything's going to work out fine. No, the object of my faith is going to determine success in my life. And let me ask you, teenager, what are you trusting in right now for the present? Are you trusting in a scholarship? Are you trusting in a relationship? Are you trusting in a friendship? Are you trusting in a family member? What are you trusting in right now at this very moment? Because if it's anything other than God himself and his word, you're going to fall through the ice. You're going to crumble. Now, a lot of times we say, well, if you just have faith, uh, nothing is impossible. Well, let's turn over to see the context of that verse in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. A lot of times we say, well, you know, nothing is impossible if you just have faith. Well, we've already established that you need to have faith in the right thing. But look at this verse here that Jesus quotes here in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Let me give you a little context as you're turning there. Matthew 17, verse 20. The, uh, a, a man brings his son to the disciples and he says, uh, my, my son is throwing himself in the fire. He's cutting himself. He's wild. I, he's possessed by a demon. Uh, would you please uh, cast this demon out? And the disciples tried to do it and they couldn't. And so they brought this demoniac boy to Jesus. Jesus, with his great authority as the son of God, cast out, cast out this devil. And look at the end of verse number 20. Jesus says, and nothing shall be in power Possible unto you, verse 21, how be it this kind goes not out by prayer and fasting. What is Jesus saying here? He says right in the first verse, guys, if you believe, if you got faith, then, uh, then, then nothing's going to be impossible. How be it uh, this specific situation here is going to need some prayer and some fasting, what is Jesus saying here? Well, even in this passage, the next verse describes a challenge that doesn't just require faith, but it requires prayer. It requires fasting. It requires a close communion with God. You see, the foundation for my faith is not my own plans, but God's word. And prayer and fasting allows us to discern God's word for our lives before we simply step out by faith. 
sometimes my perception of God's will can be skewed by my sin. And so I need to go back to God. I need to go back to his word. I need to go back in prayer and fasting. And I need to listen to him on what he wants me to do. God is not required to answer every plan that we have for our lives. It's our responsibility to be able to hear God's heartbeat and hear God's will and his plan for our lives. And then, after prayer and fasting and faith, step out to see great things from God. How did these heroes of the faith have so much faith in the present Well, it's based on the next phrase in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. You see, our present reality is based on future promises. Our present reality, any faith or assurance that we have right now in the here and now is based on the future. And it's based on a promise of God in his word. We see, secondly, this definition of faith. Faith is confidence for the future. Faith is confidence for the future. We see the phrase, things hoped for. Now, we've kind of already established this, but let me just review with you. As the Bible uses this word faith and hope, even in this definition, it's speaking of a confidence. It's speaking of an assurance in what God says in his word. It's not, I sure hope my parents will buy a Ferrari uh, for my birthday. That's, that's not the hope we're talking about here. Uh, it's not a, I hope I get a $100,000 salary. That's not the hope that we're talking about here. It's not, uh, I, I sure hope this girl says yes when I ask her out. That's not the hope we're talking about here. I, I came across the newspaper clipping from 1865, and I thought this would relate to some of the guys in our Bible college. A young man in Aristook County, Maine, advertising for a wife speaks of himself as follows. I am 18 years old, have a good set of teeth, and believe in Andy Johnson, the star-spangled banner in the 4th of July. I need Dr. R to tell me who Andy Johnson is from history later on. But I have taken up a state lot, cleared up 18 acres last year, and seeded 10 of it down. My buckwheat looks first rate, and the oats and potatoes are bully. I have got nine sheep, a two-year-old bull, and two heifers, besides a house and a barn. I want to get married. I want to buy bread and butter, hoop skirts and waterfalls for some person of the female persuasion during life. That's what's the matter with me, but I don't know how to do it. Now, history doesn't tell us whether this poor man found a wife or not. And that's not really the hope we're talking about here, okay? We're not talking about, I sure hope this would happen. Some of the guys in the college, man, I sure hope I could get married someday, but I'm just never going to ask a girl out, all right? Okay, I, I thought that would hit home for some of you. That's not the hope that we're talking about here. We're talking about a confidence in the future. Psalm 42, verse 11, why art thou cast down, O my soul, And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. 
Who is the health of my countenance and my God? You see, again, our present reality is based on future promises. Romans 8.24, the first part of that verse tells us that we are even saved by hope. We are saved by this confidence in God. That if God says that if I believe in him as, as my personal savior, and I believe that he died and rose from the dead for me, then I have that confidence that what God says he will do, he will do for eternity and he will do for the future and teenager if you have not trusted in God for your personal salvation today is the day of salvation have you been saved by hope some of you guys are thinking I, I, I'm just kind of kind of waited out and see what my youth pastor says and see what this guy in the youth group says or this girl in the youth group and I, I'm not going to get saved until I, I, I see some proof of all of this that it's actually real you're discounting faith Faith is a confidence in what God says he will do. But let me ask you, teenager, if you're saved this morning, have you surrendered with hope as well? Have you trusted God? If you're going to trust God for your eternity to get you to heaven, talk about a big decision, heaven or hell. I'm trusting God through his, through his son's sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection that I'm going to go to heaven and be with him someday. That's a huge decision, a huge confidence that you're placing in God. But some of you have made that decision already, but you're not willing to place the faith and confidence in God for the future of your life here on earth. You're not willing to surrender your future to him. I'm not going to surrender my future to God until I see what he has for me. If I kind of prove him a little bit, then maybe I'll surrender to what God has for me to do. That's not faith. If you can trust God for eternity, then you can trust God for your future. Faith is a confidence that God will do what he said he will do, not what I say he will do. Hebrews chapter 6 Verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, but sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. What is the writer of Hebrews saying? He's saying we have an anchor for our soul, Christian. If you can trust God for your eternity, then trust God for your career. Trust God for your income. Trust God for your future. Trust God for everything that comes along the way throughout your entire life. If you can trust God with a confidence for the here and now, then you can trust God with an assurance for the future. We see all throughout Hebrews 11 men and women who place a future confidence in God. Enoch had a confidence in pleasing God. Noah had a confidence in obedience and obeying God. Abraham and Sarah had a confidence in a promise that didn't make sense to them at the time. Isaac and Jacob had confidence in blessing. Joseph had confidence in deliverance from Egypt and deliverance from the world and deliverance from sin. You see, this is not a confidence in what God should do. This is a confidence in what God says he will do. That is true biblical faith. When I trust in him for salvation, he answers every time. When I trust in him for surrender, he answers as well. Lastly, as we see the last definition in this passage, Hebrews 11, verse number 1, we see that faith is an assurance 
for the future, assurance for the present. We see that it's a confidence for the future. But lastly, we see that faith is evidence from the past. Look at verse number one again. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word evidence here describes a proof, a verification of invisible things. First Peter 1, verse number 7, describes Jesus, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Look at verse number 2, however. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. As the Bible describes these elders, he's describing the ancients. He's describing the fathers of the nation of Israel. He's saying, we have seen in the past, we have seen evidence in the past, time and time again that those who follow God by faith, God is going to bless. God is going to keep them if they have their confidence in the right foundation for their present and for their future. Then we see in the past that things work out all right. We see here in verse number three, through faith we understand that the worlds are framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. There's a contrast here of the things that are not seen with eternity, but the creation was not made of things just randomly uh, coming out of nothing uh, in an evolutionary mindset. No, creation came from the word of God as well. We see evidence for the power of the word of God in verse number three, but turn over to verse 32 to see the conclusion of this chapter. There is an evidence for pursuing the will of God. In verse 32, the writer of Hebrews just says, I don't have any more time to talk about these guys. What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women receiving their dead raised to life again. And as we continue to read this chapter, we're thinking, man, this is awesome. This is great. If I surrender to God, then I'm just going to have victory after victory after victory. But that's not exactly the promise here. As we continue, others, verse number 35, were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Teenager, I'm not going to sugarcoat it this morning. If you choose to follow God by faith for your present, for your future, as we look back in the past... There's going to be great victories, but there's also going to be great trials. But you know what the difference is between the trial of someone who's not following God by faith and the trial of someone who is? It's that God is right there beside him all throughout the way. Teenager, Bible college student, if you want God to be by your side and you want to have that confidence that you step out by faith and you're going to see God do great things, 
then make sure that you are following what God says and make sure that you are grounded in his word because there may come some some trials in your life. There's going to come some difficulty in your life, but God will give you the strength every step of the way. My wife says that I'm the most patient person that she's ever met. Uh, I, I, I think it's kind of my downfall, actually. I, I can just stand in line forever. I, 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 don't, I don't get frustrated. I'm just like, okay, fine, you know, they, they need a little time. Uh, standing at the self-checkout line at Walmart, you know, whatever, you know, I can just check emails on my phone. I'm, I'm just kind of a patient person. Uh, our, our dog could be barking and barking and barking, and I just, I, it just doesn't bother me. I'm just patient through the whole thing. Our baby, Ella, could be crying, and, and uh, my wife asked me, why, well, why didn't you help her. Oh, I thought she was fine. I, I'm just kind of a patient person. I know, I think she's going to stop eventually, right? Uh, sometimes, you know, I, I'm very patient when it comes to Christmas presents. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I want to be able to have a surprise on Christmas Day. My wife is the exact opposite. She has to ask every question and try to find where I've hit it in and try to figure it out right here and now. My wife says I'm a really patient person, and I don't know if you describe yourself as a patient person or as a very impatient person, but look at verse number 39 as we close. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Why? God, having provided some better thing, what are the next two words? For us that they without us should not be made perfect. You see, we don't have to wait for the promise. All these people that are being described in Hebrews 11, they had to wait and they never received it in their lifeline. What was that promise? That was the, the Messiah who was to come and to redeem them from their sins. They didn't, they didn't get to see that. They just saw it by faith. But the writer of Hebrews is saying, guys, you don't have to wait. It doesn't matter whether you're really patient or impatient. You don't have to wait one more second because all of the promises of God for the past, the present, and the future are there for you you to hold by faith. You can experience saving faith right now, teenager. You can experience a faith that will guide you through your entire life right now. You can experience a faith that will give you supervision to see eternal things right now. Faith is the assurance for the present. Faith is confidence for the future. Faith is evidence from the past. But what do we do about it? Well, the chapter divisions aren't inspired. So what does chapter 12, verse number 1 say? Wherefore, we've read all of this, so what do I do? Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. We've just read about all of them. What do we do now? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. What do we do with that faith? Don't just sit on it. Faith is an action. Faith is demonstrated in everything that we do and say in our Christian life. And Christian, let me encourage you this morning that if you understand what real biblical faith is, then you need to set aside some weights, you need to set aside some sins, and you need to look to Jesus 
for every answer that you need in life. You see, there's an evidence of faith in the past. He sought peace of the cloud of witnesses. There's an assurance in the present. Let us now run with patience the race that is set before us. And there's a confidence in the future as we are looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In response to the evidence of faith from the past, we should run the race with a present assurance and look to Jesus with confidence for the future.